This is from Ajahn Sumedho. He says, For minds obsessed by compulsive thinking and grasping, you simplify your meditation practices to just two words, let go, rather than try to develop this practice and then develop that, achieve this, and and then go into that, the grasping mind wants to read the suttas, (coughs) to study the Abhidhamma, and to learn Pali and Sanskrit, the Majamika, the Prajnaparamita, get ordinations in the Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana, (laughs) write books, and become a renowned authority on Buddhism. Instead of becoming the world's expert on Buddhism and being invited to great international conferences, why not let go? Why not just let go? Let go, let go. For years I did nothing but this in my practice. Every time I tried to understand or figure things out, I'd say, let go, let go, let go, until the desire would fade out. So I'm making it very simple for you to save you from getting caught in an incredible amount of suffering. There is nothing more sorrowful than having to attend international Buddhist conferences. (laughs) Some of you might have the desire to become the Buddha of the age, Maitreya, radiating love throughout the world. Instead, just be an earthworm (laughs) who only knows two words, let go, let go, let go. Of course, we intuitively feel the rightness of that message. And we're, and mostly we intuitively are suspicious of complications, the way the mind sort of builds up, like a house of cards, builds up a lot of worry or desire, hope, hopes and dreams. In a very famous talk, one of the more famous talks the Buddha gave, celebrated as a Buddhist holiday, the night in February, usually it is, where he gave this talk. I think it's called the Mahapuja Day. It's like a Buddha, Buddhist holy day. And um, in this talk, one of the things he said is that patience is the supreme or best austerity or the ultimate asceticism. And I think what this means, it isn't like, you know, another complication like, okay, now we got to practice patience and it, it just adds complications to our life. But I think what he's pointing to, and he was saying this evidently as the legend goes at least to 1,250 fully awakened beings. So even for awakened beings, he was giving this instruction that patience is the highest austerity, the ultimate asceticism. So instead of 
you know, all the other ways we think we should live simply. The real simplicity is to learn how to be patient with the way that it is, to be accepting and patient with the conditions of our lives. And so to explore, like just in being on retreat, we can really explore. It's such a perfect place for this exploration because we have this container. You know, we're here together for these days. We have a schedule. It's a little bit like having a life, except this one just lasts three days. You know, we have our life on retreat. And every single aspect of the retreat, every moment of the retreat, whether it's a sitting time or a walking time or a free time, an eating time or work time, can be an opportunity to submitting, both submitting to the external conditions and submitting to the internal conditions. And really learning the difference between relating with impatience, some kind of reactive pattern, or patience. Letting go of the notion that it should be other than what it is right now. And it really, you know, the the reflection, the patience sets up for us, you know, using patience as a theme, what it's setting up for us is, is this how it should be? You know, and the answer should always be, well, yes. You know, given causes and conditions, this is how it should be, this moment. It's never a mistake. So patience really comes out of that wisdom that understands, it's not that this moment is perfect. No one is arguing that this moment is perfect. But we would say this moment is perfectly expressing all of the innumerable causes and conditions that are right now. It's not like a mistake, the way this moment is expressing itself. Internally expressing itself in terms of our mood, our mental content, physical sensations. Externally in terms of our environment, what we see, what we hear, what we smell and taste, what touches, the sensations we feel. The thing is, when we erroneously, arrogantly conclude that this isn't supposed to be this way, this is not how it's supposed to be, you see, it immediately, it is a stance of rejection or aversion or denial. It's like, from a deeper, uh, broader, wiser perspective, it's absurd to reject this moment. Because it is this way now. So using patience as a theme, it's just an invitation to see that like, it only makes sense to align completely with the way it is. And maybe it isn't so important, like in terms of happiness, maybe it's less important what we want this moment to be like, that's less important than aligning with the moment that is. 
And this is the trouble, you know, as human beings, we do have this capacity to imagine. We can imagine a better moment, for example, a nicer retreat to be at. A more pleasant roommate, a nicer bed, sunset that lingers a little longer. You know, all these different things that could make it a little nicer. Hot chocolate at... 9.45. Or we could spend our practice time acknowledging, resting in the way that it is. And like recognizing there's a, a lot of space for peace in aligning with the way that it is. Learning how to rest or learning how to acknowledge and uh, not struggle with the way that it is. And it's in, we're in no way saying this is how I want it to be or that this is good. We're just saying it's how it is. This body is like this now. The mind is like this. The sunset, the weather, the community I'm with, it's like this. And just to explore, like, what is the result of emphasizing that, coming into a peaceful relationship with the way that it is, versus using the imagine, imagination to think about how it might be, how it should be, or how I don't want it to be. I like that uh, story that's told about the wish-fulfilling tree as a, as a metaphor for our mind. You know, we have this amazing capacity to imagine and to be confused by our imagination. And most of you have heard the story, I'll just say it briefly, but it's like somebody imagining they're thirsty, they're walking on a hot road, and imagining how nice it would be if there were a big shade tree. And of course, right around the bend, there it is, a beautiful shade tree, and they're hanging out under the shade tree. And they imagine how nice it would be if there was something cool to drink. And sure enough, they notice, you know, a little cooler with some ice in it and some nice natural sodas just there. And they're sipping their natural cool soda and they imagine, God, it would be so nice to be hanging out with somebody interesting, you know, to talk to and share the other sodas with. And sure enough, somebody arrives, interesting person, attractive person, sitting down, enjoying it, and on and on like this till the person imagines this is a little too weird that everything I imagine shows up. I wonder if this tree, if this area is possessed by a demon. (laughs) And sure enough, the demon appears. And then uh, the person imagines, well, maybe this demon's going to eat me up. And sure enough, the demon eats him up. And this is a powerful metaphor for how it works with imagination. We always, you know, are wondering... Maybe someday I'll die. Maybe death is bad. You know, we we actually don't know anything about death. At least I don't. But it can be, you know, amazingly frightening. One thing about patience, I think, to begin with, is to really change our attitude, whatever attitude you have about patience, you know, like, like it's a big should. We, we should be patient. Maybe hundreds of times as a kid, 
our parents told us to be patient or whatever, maybe our partner. We want to take a different attitude about it and just use our imagination and just imagine that patience is something really beautiful. We see it like, uh, I think it was Trungpa Rinpoche, controversial but well-known Tibetan lama who said, patience is grace. Like in Buddhism, to enter, to reside in a, with patience is like to enter a state of grace. You know, when we're patient, we feel suspended or liberated for at least a time from impatience or aversion. You know, the this thinking about patience is a beautiful thing. And again, I'm just setting up maybe four ways to reflect on patience. You know, we will think during the retreat, and so we might as well, when we are thinking, we might as well use our thinking to help the mind directly reflect on the experience of patience, like to remember the word patience, and to remember the phrase, maybe patience is available now, maybe it's a really beautiful thing, a really light and enlivened way of being. Because like one way to support that reflection is maybe things don't need to be other than they are right now. That's such a relief. You see how it immediately lets us off the hook of having to make things different than they are. Maybe things don't need to be different than they are right now. Maybe it's really okay the way that it is right now. So in different ways during the weekend, just take up this particular reflection around patience that it's one, available, and two, it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful quality of the heart or mind. Available and beautiful. Available and liberating to be patient. Not a grim endurance. You know, just, I don't have any choice but to bear with this intolerable situation. And that somehow we'll get a ribbon if we put up with the pain in our knee or back or with our roommate who snores or, you know, the food that we don't want. And So it's not, that's the, you know, that's the general way we think of patience as some kind of grim endurance. So let's see if we can change that attitude that somehow this moment is worthy of trust and relaxation, something trustworthy about it. But that's what patience reminds us of. And of course, there is a place for patience that is a little bit, sounds a little bit, feels a little bit more like work. Like there's an aspect of patience that allows us to restrain ourselves. Like when things are difficult, we do have body pain, for example. 
or we are irritated by something that's going on around us. Maybe we're, especially if you're new to retreats, you might find it irritating that nobody's talking, and it can trigger all kinds of, you know, old emotional patterns that all of us have to some degree, that, you know, I'm being neglected or nobody likes me. And it just tends to come up when nobody's talking or nobody's looking at us. And then it just makes it seem, I mean, we know better intellectually, but emotionally it feels like I'm being left out. Like those old terrible experiences we had in second grade when we weren't part of the cool kids and, you know, and and the playground. All those sort of feelings can come up. And so then here, reflecting on patience, it's like, it's a strength. Patience gives us a strength that just because it's yucky, this experience is yucky, I don't have to do anything about it. It's like an alternative to reacting. I can be patient. I can bear this. So the one word for kanti is the Pali word. One word they used to translate it as forbearance. Just like hanging in there. It's okay. Because it will change, but not yet. You know, this pain in the back, this whatever, like everything else, it's not going to be here forever. But the conditions right now aren't supporting that change yet. But it will change. So we know that things will change, but not yet. So we're willing to just bear with it. Sort of, and this patience creates a break from our neurotic activity. It's like it's an alternative to following those well-worn paths of reacting to our experiences, because we have this other alternative, which is to bear with things, because wisdom tells us, our experience tells us, things will change, but not yet, but they will change. And then even on a more, in a deeper level, patience gives us a fearlessness. It's a, so you can reflect on patience as a, a kind of uh, unshakable quality. I mean, there's one thing of bearing with unpleasant sensations in the body, but our mind can do, can take that in a relatively ordinary experience of having pain in the back or pain in the knees or feeling restless or feeling sleepy. And our mind can amplify it many, many times. Because we can imagine, you know, like this will never end. It's one thing to have pain in the knee right now, but if my mind then imagines that this pain in the knee will never end or get worse, it's like becomes exponentially worse. It becomes completely unbearable. But here patience manifests as this wisdom that knows the difference between the monsters our mind creates through its imagination, through its thinking. And it realizes it's like, like that uh, famous story of the Buddha under the Bodhi tree. Some of you might know this story where he was sitting there and um, the night where he felt that the conditions were right, he made the resolve to sit until he realized 
what could be realized by a human being, realize the happiness, the full, unshakable release of his heart that he sought. And of course, as soon as you make a resolve like that, then all kinds of doubt arises. And that's what this metaphorical story is all about. It's like all the demons that challenge his resolve to stay put before he had deep insight. It's described quite graphically. And so this is another expression of patience, this ability not to be shaken. No matter what the mind says, the mind, the heart isn't shaken by it. And it's really, this kind of patience comes from a deeper insight where the mind knows the difference between the projections, like what I'm afraid of, what I'm worried about, what I'm telling myself, and the still, silent space that forever remains unaffected by the dramas that come and go. It's really about an allegiance, like taking allegiance with the dramas and getting thrown around by them, pushed around, made to react, or taking allegiance in emptiness, the still, empty, silent space of the heart. So it's a more profound kind of patience. And related to this, but just slightly different, so I think it's worth suggesting as a fourth way of reflecting on patience is patience as a kind of humility. You know, knowing that we don't know. I mean, on one level, we know that we don't know the way that it should be, so maybe this is how it should be. I mean, how many people have arrogantly worked hard to make something happen only to realize that that's not really what they want? I mean, this happens so much in life, in relationships, finally getting the person you want to be your partner, or homes and careers and thinking that being on the retreat was going to save you and then you realize, you know, It's just as bad here as it is at home. (laughs) So, part of what patience does is it, and this is, it's related to what I said before about taking refuge in the silence, the emptiness, the space of the mind. It's the same thing that, uh, that uh, patience expresses itself as a freedom from our thoughts. Like we can be patient with our thoughts because we're not, we're not going to identify with them. We're going to let them come and go. We're going to let them do what they do. Because if we struggle with our thoughts, it's because we're identified with them. I mean, isn't that a relief that for the next three days, we don't have to struggle with our thoughts. We can let them do whatever they do because they're just acting out the conditioning whatever has been wound up or whatever has been set in motion in terms of the psychological, emotional patterns of the mind, of course, that's going to express itself on this retreat. So when we see something or have a memory, it's going to trigger some sort of conditioned response. And we can just let that all be. So part of patience is knowing that the heart remains unaffected. 
we don't have to know who we are. Because that always takes us into the world of ideas. And then that, that's a very shaky place to be. It always takes more thinking. Am I really that? Is this really what's going on? Instead, we can know that we don't know. And I think that's what Ajahn Sumedha was pointing to when he talked about earthworm practice. You know, the let go, let go, let go was just pointing to this deeper aspect of patience, of humility, or no view, don't know mind. So just to review, as you're reflecting on patience, and you can do this in moments while you're sitting, walking, eating, lying in bed, you can just reflect, begin with the assumption, you know, to see if it's true, that patience is here as something that is beautiful, a kind of grace. This this possibility that the heart can abide with the conditions, like the heart is really okay with the way that it is, that that's a possibility. This is always possible for the heart to be okay with the way it is, not to need things to be other. What a beautiful thing that is. And then the, the way that patience acts as a, a way to restrain, like an alternative to impatience or reactivity. We have this ability to bear. So, And what we're really bearing, more than the pain that we want to react to, we're bearing with the intention to react, but not really doing it, not really picking it up or following that intention. That that intention to do, to react, to get angry, to be impatient, it can come, it can come, it can come, but instead the mind is patient with it. It's like, yeah, okay, that can be there too. There can be that intention to react without reacting. So we're not afraid of like, You could be sitting at the dining room table and somebody next to you can be really irritating you or you really want seconds or thirds or fourths and you can just be feeling it moment after moment after moment. But patience allows us to bear with that feeling, I should get another cookie, I should get another cookie. And that can come up over and over again and it's actually quite interesting to to watch that. Our usual habits of mind will want to suppress that, like because we're so humiliated by wanting another cookie, or humiliated that we're irritated by the person next to us, because we feel like I shouldn't be somebody who's uh, angry at somebody who's just doing what they're doing. But we can notice over and over again that coming, and we just bear with that reactive pattern without taking it personally or acting it out. We can see patience as a kind of profound courage. No matter how big the monsters get, it's just thought. And we can see patience as a kind of humility. A comfort not knowing Now, one of the things we're going to notice this weekend as we reflect on patience is the 
the shadow of patience, you know, because we all have habits. I mentioned some already with patience. Like if you're a good meditator, if you're a good yogi, a good retreatant, then, you know, we don't move the body. So any sort of stance, patience isn't a stance. This is a nice little mantra to bring up from time to time for yourself. Patience isn't a stance. It isn't a fixed stance. It isn't an identity we inhabit. I'm being patient. So if it ever feels like that, then you can look at that with compassion, with patience. You look at that, oh, that's like that. I guess it can't be other than this right now. Because patience is a dynamic, alive thing. It's like all aspects of wisdom. It's moment to moment to moment. It can't be a plan. Okay, I'm going to be patient. Because then it's a, then it gets rigid and heavy and it doesn't work. It just makes you, you feel bad and it makes the rest of us feel bad. You know, it's not nice for us to be around somebody who's patient. Because <laughs> either we feel guilty, you know, or we feel like we should be patient, you know. What we really like is being around somebody who's alive. And patience is really a way to be more fully alive. That's really the way to hold it. Another shadow of patience is a kind of resignation or helplessness. So we think we're patient, but we're just caught in the identity, there's nothing I can do about this. I don't like it, and there's nothing I can do about it. Well, yeah, there is. We can be patient. Patience is a beautiful state of mind. It's a beautiful way to be when, well, anytime really, but when things are difficult especially. So instead of feeling helpless, being caught in that identity or resign, we can be patient with it. So I'll leave it here. We'll come back to this tomorrow night and uh, Saturday night as well. You can even, as we do the refuges and precepts style, you can even think of them as expressions of patience. You know, in a way, the Buddha, we take refuge in the Buddha, we take refuge in that wide open, patient presence. And we take refuge in the Dhamma the way it is. But that's what we're patient with, the way that it is. Conditions in the moment just as they are. We take refuge in this Sangha, we take refuge in this capacity of the heart that we see in others, we see in ourselves at times, to be free, to express love and kindness and patience freely. So take out your sheet. Everybody have a copy, otherwise you're right outside the door. And maybe uh, if someone could turn on the light switches, is it Carol, is that right? Or Kathy, rather. Could you turn on the light switches there, right behind that lamp? And then right after we chant, would you shut them off again? Uh, After we do the refuges three times, which is traditional, 
Then we'll do the five precepts. It's just a way of uh, creating safety for ourselves. The first one, it, it, the translation here, I, I would like to change, but I just haven't, we haven't done that yet. I undertake the training to refrain from harming living beings. And then the third one, I undertake the training to refrain from sexual activity. Is it more useful for retreat? We um, just put that aside for this period of time. And that even includes flirting. We just don't go there during the retreat. And it really creates a safe environment for all of us. We'll just, as much as we can, it's not easy always, but as much as we can, we don't activate that part of our conditioning, being a sexual being, which we all are in our own way. But we don't activate it, we don't act on it. So we'll do this, and then we'll sit for a few minutes in silence to end the evening together. So I'll ring the bell three times. I undertake the training to refrain from harming living beings. Adina dana where amani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the training rule to refrain from stealing. Abrahmacharya where amani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the training rule to refrain from sexual activity. Musawada where amani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the training rule to refrain from telling lies. Sura Maria Majapamaratana, where Amani Sikapadang Samadhyami. I undertake the training rule to refrain from intoxicating liquors and drugs and carelessness. 
idamme silam maga palanyana sa parachayo bhutu. May my conduct conduce to attainment of the highest fruits of liberation. So we'll sit for about three or four minutes. And reflecting on patience now, the reality of patience here and now,
So patience is both a means to happiness, but also an expression of happiness. Patience allows us not to be in opposition to the present moment. Keep the sheet under your cushion or chair. We'll be doing the chant on the other side at the end of the evenings, the next two nights. And we'll begin our noble silence now. And uh, probably many of you will want to go to bed pretty soon so that you can wake up early tomorrow refreshed. But if you have energy, just continue to practice either in the hall or in your room or in any of the other rooms. Wishing everybody a good rest tonight. See you all in the morning.